Hi, everybody. Hope you're all doing well, and thanks for joining me again for an extensive look at the Week 7 trade market. My name's Byron Lambert, and we got a lot of business to handle this week, so step into my office for the Week 7 RosterWatch.com tradecast. Uh, first, uh, coming off the bye weeks are the Buffalo Bills, the Indianapolis Colts, the Oakland Raiders, and the Chicago Bears. That is coming off of the Week 6 bye. Those teams and all of their players are back in play this week. Heading into the bye for Week 7 is going to be the Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Carolina Panthers. Uh, maybe a wait and see on some of the players on those teams as it relates to the Week 7 trademark. And then, of course, looking ahead to Week 8, only two teams on bye. I like how the NFL has done this, the Dallas Cowboys and Baltimore Ravens, as we look ahead. Uh, but first, we've been getting a lot of feedback that many of the listeners uh, – by the way, there's – many many more of you than i had ever imagined so thank you so much for your loyal listenership we have a great time i have a great time putting this together every week and certainly enjoy engaging with all of you guys over on twitter at rosterwatch and over at the site rosterwatch.com and a lot of the feedback i've gotten is that many of you enjoy when we open the weekly trade cast with a little bit of a strategy session guys these are all moves that we're making in our own leagues we're really mapping them out for you through all the tools at rosterwatch.com where we take all of our followers literally day by day through the season from the draft all the way through the championship and inform them exactly every day, you know, very in a very digestible, simple fashion, exactly what moves they need to make. These are the moves that we're making in our own league and we're sharing them with you. And that's because we're always on the front lines for Roster Watch Nation. Literally, this is a 12-month endeavor and that's been going on since... 2011 now uh, guys so in order to you know make these moves we need some general strategies so many of you guys have said you've really appreciated uh, me stepping you through some strategy to begin these podcasts so let's go ahead and do that uh, I've uh, taken some notes here based on many of the uh, trade questions I've seen come in over at rosterwatch.com the last week just observing the types of things that you guys are asking and just hoping to provide you something of value here. So first, let's talk about the types of trades there are in fantasy by importance and category or type. Uh, there's the two-for-one trade. The regular listeners of this trade cast know that that is what I have labeled the consolidation trade. And what makes that trade possible is our acumen on the waiver wire every week at rosterwatch.com. That's what creates the replacement value that makes this whole scheme possible. What is that scheme? That scheme is to generate, to accumulate the most player equity on our roster possible over the course of the season through waiver wire acquisitions, through the trade market. And one way to do that is to take two good players and trade for a really good one and then replace one of those guys with another pretty good guy off the waiver wire. And you're getting a little bump every step of the way there and and guys you know we don't something i do want to talk about uh i'm just going to go ahead and get to it right now because i I see a lot of this um a lot of these trades coming in uh, and you guys are saying well byron i'm increasing the equity on my roster you know why isn't this a good trade i'm getting two players that are in some you know very two very nice players i'm getting them for this one player i've decided to do a liquidation trader or, or whatnot. This, nonetheless, this concept applies across the board is that 
Yes, we want to always increase the equity across our entire roster through this process over the season. And eventually the game will be taking as much of that as possible and front-loading it into our starting roster through last-minute trades before the trade deadline to have the most of our player equity shifted into our starting roster because our bench does us really no good in the playoffs. That's when we got to really bring out the heavy artillery uh, to to push through the finish line. So while that's kind of the big picture game, build equity the entire roster to fade the attrition of the season uh, through the bulk of the season and then front load everything into your starting roster at the end of the season, we can still, we rarely afford, if ever, to sacrifice the quality of our starting lineup at any point, even at this juncture in the season, in order to add more equity or perceived equity to our roster uh, with players that may or may not be going to our bench, that may or not be starters for us every week. We'll get to a little bit more of that later. So just that's a little bit of a nuanced thing. Yes, we want to win these trades. We want to get more value back in return. We want to build more value across our entire team and roster at this point. But we still have to keep in mind we can never really afford to do that at the sacrifice of our starting lineup. We've always got to be focused and mindful of maintaining the best starting lineup possible every week of the season. And then, of course, as we get to the end, that becomes absolutely Paramount. So a little bit of digression there. So back to the types of trades by importance. Uh, certainly it's the two for one. That's the number one mandate of the rosterwatch.com trade cast annually is that you guys go out and make as many two for one trades as possible where you're taking two good players and trading them for one really good player. And then you're replacing that slot, that open spot that you've liberated through this trade with another quality player on the waiver wire that we've snuffed out with all of our intelligence. So that's the number one type of trade. That's what winning teams do. The very close cousin of that would be the three for two trade. See, guys, we generally we want to, we want to take more players and trade them for less players in return, and we want to get the good players back. So a three for two is just a scaled out, bigger version of a two for one. Sometimes that's just the type of trade you need to make, given the players on your roster or the circumstances. Maybe there's two buy low players. You know, sometimes I'll listen to this, you know, trade cast myself or look at my notes, and I'll go to my league and I'll realize. Wait a second, there's two of the buy low guys. We've talked about this on one player's roster. So in that case, I start thinking about cooking up a three for two. I mean, if I try to go get those guys individually with separate trade offers to that same owner, it's unlikely I can pull them off. I mean, the big move is to try to get both of them. So that's, of course, where we want to start. So that's the kind of area where we can look uh, for a three for two trade is when there's two good players we've identified it. we want to buy low on. Uh, from another owner and we're going to ship just three solid to good players off for two really good players. So that's the close cousin, the more complicated cousin of to do for one. Um, You know, sometimes you have to utilize the three for two uh, trade also to maybe balance out, uh, you know, a trade offer, you know, just a little bit because maybe all the principles aren't entirely equal. Then the opposite side of this equation, this trade equation. So that the two most important, the most important type of trade we do at rosterwatch.com is a consolidation trade. And the most frequent configurations you see 
will be a two for one. That's the most simplistic, straightforward version. That's what we encourage here weekly on the Tradecast. You guys need to make as many two-for-one trades as possible this season. And then there's the three-for-two, which is the very close relative of that. So that's the number one priority, our consolidation trades. Then at number two, we have liquidation trades. And when do we make liquidation trades? That's when we need to make a trade in order to improve our starting roster. For whatever reason, injuries, any other litany of reasons, we've decided that we've identified that what our team needs, which is a big important part of this whole trade formula, is deciding what it is that your team actually needs uh, when you're approaching the trade market every week instead of just going willy-nilly. You'll do, you, you, this will be much more effective if you identify your needs first every week. And some of us may identify that just flat out for whatever reason, we have to improve our starting roster. Well, the way we can do that is then through the liquidation trade. And that's where we take one good player, one really good player, and trade them for two good players. That's where we take two really good players and trade them for three you know, pretty solid players that we can that we can start. I mean, that's the key to that trade is if you're going to do a liquidation trade in order to improve your starting lineup, you have to be getting starters in return. So guys, don't even consider a trade where you're giving up one and getting two back or giving up two and getting three back. Don't ever consider being on the side of the trade where you're getting more players back unless you've identified that A, you need to improve your starting roster and that B, the players you are receiving are all definitively starters for you. That will help you improve your starting roster. And then the third type of, you know, the third principal type of fantasy football trade that we would have out there is what I've characterized as an equivalent equivalency trade a one for one or a two for two we don't generally encourage these but sometimes they go down sometimes you guys are asking about them the reason that we undertake equivalency trades again which is a one for one player trade or a two for two player trade is in order to balance our roster in order to balance our roster um you may have an extra really good wide receiver, but be short at running back. That's when you're going to do a one-for-one. One. Make that flop there. Balance your roster. Likely improve your starting lineup is what you're doing with that. Now, generally, we don't do symmetrical equivalency trades. And what do I mean by that? That would be trading the same position one-for-one, one, running back for running back or wide receiver for wide receiver. That's basically off the table and an un, it's an unrealistic trade to pursue or really waste much time on. It's not going to help us, right? This is at the very bottom of the list. This is the least important type of trade there is in fantasy would be a symmetrical equivalency trade. That's where we trade one player for another player, both of the same position. The only time that this really makes much sense is if one team is trading for a stash, one winning team is trading for a stash they view as a buy low from a losing team who needs a good player to help them win right now. So, uh, you know, what would be an example of this? You know, we'll get to A.J. Green later. I, I hesitate to use him in this, but let's say you're just absolutely in love with A.J. Green and the guy who has him is on, he's a losing team and needs to win right, right, right now. You could trade him a wide receiver that he either needs to start or put in his flex 
uh, for AJ Green if you needed to, um, if you could spare that, if you had the luxury of being able to spare that piece. And that's something that can work out and make sense for both sides. An unusual trade, but that would be the most typical circumstance you would see that occur under. Guys, another huge pro tip for you. Again, you can join our pro community at rosterwatch.com. It's a very lively community full of really smart fantasy players and and just fun, good folks who've become friends. It's a huge and rapidly growing community. But a pro tip for you guys would just share right here on the Week 7 Tradecast and this is a, this is actually a tip I use even more on waivers than in the trade market, but you can use it in both places. Is guys drop your kicker to clear space on your roster for waivers or occasionally in a trade situation in order to buy time for news um, or to make roster decisions with guys you're just not sure about. You know, you can always pick up a kicker Sunday morning. So the reason I bring this up is I feel like it's happened to me on occasion over the years is, you know, sometimes there's a guy you're just dying to pick up, but you can't figure out who to drop at the moment. And you're afraid that if you don't pick that guy up really, really soon, he's going to get scooped up any minute, you know. And I know that's cost me before, just even waiting an hour or something, trying to say, hey, I'm just going to think about who I want to drop before I – I picked that guy, that guy, but if it's a player you want, don't mess around. Just drop your kicker. I mean, there's very, very few kickers that you're absolutely married to on the season. So that's a great way to hold a player that you want to roster, you know, to kind of create artificial space for him while you determine who it is you want to drop or you're waiting to find out injury news on somebody or something Along these lines, it's a, it's a great tactic to use in that situation. Uh, so many questions about amazing pickups that I'm receiving off of the waiver wire. And so many folks, this is every week, so many folks just uh, hitting us up on Twitter at RosterWatch or over at RosterWatch.com every week saying, Hey, Byron, you know, I'm using the waiver wire cheat sheet. There's, I, I, there's so many guys I want to pick up that I know can I, that can help my team and pickups. I'm just not making that I know that I should be making. What can I do? And guys, make a two for one trade. Clear a roster spot. That is the beauty of this strategy. With the consolidation trade being the very most valuable fantasy trade to roster watch nation, it's clearing that roster spot for replacement value from waivers. So just. You know, think outside of the box. It's easy to get in that trap a little bit. You know, you're just you're thinking waivers. You're not thinking trades. Who can I pick up? I don't have a spot. What am I going to do? Like your mind should instantly go to what trades can I make right now? Even if they're low impact trades, to cl- take two guys, clear up a roster spot, so I can get a player I like and pick this player up that I like right now. Um, now to do that, sometimes you may need to make that move even in advance of waivers on Tuesday night. Well, you know, we're teaching you guys here how to step through this on your own. So hopefully you'll have the foresight to do that when necessary. Also, please cut through the static, everybody. You know, I get these, I get these questions about trades, rate, review my trade. What do you think? Thoughts, feedback. And, you know, I I look at them and they're like, it's like a novel, and I get a headache the minute I look at it. Here's my entire roster. These are the 16 players involved in the trade. You know, these are my starting roster limits. You know, 
was this a good trade? What should I do? Should I do it? And, you know, please, I ask you to cut through the static when you come to us with these questions. Not only are we going to give you much better answers, we're going to be way more likely to answer your question. We don't have limitless time. We have almost an unlimited amount of questions we can answer at any given point. We do our absolute best, right? Um, but the best chance you're going to get uh, uh, for an answer on the site or on Twitter is a concise question that is thoughtful and to the point and uh, something that we can easily digest. And the reason this is important is because if you start doing that to prepare your questions for us, you're going to teach yourself how to think about these things. You won't even have to continue coming to us with these questions, but you'll over time learn how to think through these trades yourself and how to identify exactly what's going on. That's the problem. These people get a big trade offer and they have a hard time sorting through it. Like what, how equitable is this? There's so many positions involved, so many players involved. So cut through the static, think about to yourself, what is the net fallout of this trade that I'm examining of this trade offer? Are you getting a noticeable upgrade in an area of need? Have you identified your needs as we spoke about earlier? What meaningful what of meaningful value are you giving up? What does this trade do to your bench? Who does it send to your bench? Does it upgrade your starting lineup? Are the guys you are trading for starters on your team? Who are the principals involved? Are you getting the best player? Do you need multiple players in return in a liquidation trade in order to improve your starting roster? Have you identified that that is your area in need. Are you a team that can afford a luxury trade? Or are you in a win-now situation? A lot of times, teams that are like three and two, four and two, trick themselves into thinking that they're winning teams and they can afford to make some big move as a stash that they think will be a season winner down the line. And they just, they, they overshoot it. They overplay their hand. They overestimate and all it takes is a few wins from that spot to knock you into a tailspin. I mean, a few losses to knock you into a tailspin. You wait to give up too much on guys that can help you win now and wait too long for a player you think will be a season winner down the line. I mean, I, look, we love to go big at Roster Watch. I love an aggressive mindset, but this has to be calculated aggression and strategy. And at three and two, four and two, those kind of teams have to be very circumspect about making those moves. And their considerations uh, regarding those moves. It's you know, if you to afford a luxury trade, you need to be usually undefeated, one loss at this point in the season, five and zero, four and one, and just have a filthy deep bench that you have the luxury, an embarrassment of riches. You can maybe spend a little bit lavishly, uh, more so. You know, you can outspend some of your competitors to get the really good guys to add to your roster. Right now, that just certainly doesn't apply to everybody. You need to identify what position am I in? Am I a team that can afford to overpay right now? But certainly that's something I still see a lot of you guys uh, doing is overpaying. And we're going to attempt in every way possible to avoid doing that as we move forward into week seven. But first, like we do every week on the rosterwatch.com tradecast, I want to get to some user Examples of user questions about trades and my responses to them. Um, I think that's been helpful. I know we talk a lot in theory here, but we want to hear some real tangible you know, trade offers. So let's explore a few of those that came in this week. We will begin with 
Fantasy Fred. Fantasy Fred. This came in on the 15th to at Rosterwatch on Twitter. At Rosterwatch, I know we don't like one-for-ones. Clearly a listener. Uh, One-for-one, an equivalency trade. A rare, rare and usually unnecessary beast. I know we don't like one-for-ones, but I really need a strong wide receiver. And my running backs are Saquon, Derrick Henry, and Leonard Fournette in a standard league. Would you trade Henry for Devontae Adams? So my answer is, in a vacuum, yes. If you're confident about Devontae Adams' health, his toe, he's going to come back, that you're not getting a blank in return, that you're really getting Devontae Adams, then that's just a fine trade, Derrick Henry, for Devontae Adams. But again, you know, information that he left out here before I could really tell him for sure that hopefully he went and stepped through on his own after this exchange is this does, it's not just, you can't just say, is Derrick Henry for Devontae Adams good, even though you've listed the principles in your roster? I need some contact context here. This depends on your starting roster limits to some extent. You know, what does this do to your flex? Or your RB3. I mean, is Henry a guy on your bench every week that now you're getting Devontae Adams and you can start him? Or is Henry a player you were starting every week? So what does this do to your flex? What does it do to your RB3 every week? If you're trading for Devontae Adams, clearly this is going to send a wide receiver to your bench. Who is that? You know, so in theory, it's a fine deal. But those are the things you have to think through to know if this deal actually We don't just trade to trade. We need to make good deals, but we need to make good deals that make sense for our team. That's how we're going to be most effective utilizing the trade market every week of the fantasy football season. All right, let's go to Richard Sitter. Uh, Let's see here. All right, Richard. Richard Sitter. This was back on the 13th. The way I figure it is trading Christian McCaffrey is my only hope. I mean, the minute you hear that is the minute the alarm bells go off immediately. This sounds like a chicken little. Don't be a chicken little, Richard. Trying to get Wilson and maybe Amari or Hooper. So I'm pretty sure he's talking about Russell Wilson. The first thing I say is Wilson who? So let's look at his lock, his uh, roster here. So he's got Matthew Stafford as his quarterback. Tyler Lockett. Preston Williams, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Gerald Everett, Devontae Freeman, O.J. Howard, Miles Sanders, Auden Tate, Robbie Anderson, Chase Edmonds. So, you know, the problem here is that we talk about this all the time is, you, I mean, you just you can't afford to. I know we talk about liquidation trades if we're in trouble, but Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you, you, you've got to be getting two skill position, flat out starters that are very good for him. We cannot be trading for quarterbacks. I mean, you have Matt Stafford. It's not Russell Wilson, but. You can't. You just can't. You simply can't give up. I told you on the last week's podcast: do not overpay for quarterbacks. You know, just because I know Russell Wilson's a lot better than Matthew Stafford. I get it on the season, but you know, you can't. You just can't trade a Christian McCaffrey. I get it. You're getting Amari Cooper and Austin Hooper back, but you know, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do with Gerald Everett and OJ Howard? I guess you're just going to drop those guys. I mean, certainly you can play. Hooper, Amari Cooper, you know, 
Amari Cooper. You got Tyler Lockett. You got Tyler Lockett, so you could go Amari Cooper. You've, but you got Robbie Anderson. What are you trading for Amari Cooper if you got Robbie Anderson? So is this the you know if you're going to trade Christian McCaffrey, which is a preposterous idea in in almost any scenario, if you're in a must win, like he's the guy. I mean, granted, he's on by this week. I understand, but. Unless you are an absolute bottom of the barrel desperation mode. He's like one of those few guys that can get you out of the hole if you could just put a few good players around him. And this guy has a good team. I just reeled him off. So you're not going to want Amari Cooper when you got Robbie Anderson coming up with one of the best schedules in all of fantasy football from weeks 8 through uh, weeks 14. You just it's, it's, it's a marginal upgrade at wide receiver. To, and it's a, you know, it's a decent upgrade at quarterback, but... You know, you just you're going then then you're going from Christian McCaffrey down to, you know, if you take Christian McCaffrey out, it's Derrick Henry and Der- and Devontae Freeman as your starters, and then all of a sudden, you know, that pushes a wide receiver to your flex. And I mean, you just I just don't think you can you could trust that. So you gotta get more for a player like Christian McCaffrey, uh Richard Sitter, that's for darn sure, man. So keep on trying. I I hear where your head's at, but at two and four that's that's not total desperation mode. You have a good team. Just make the sit starts. Keep working the waiver wire. Keep making some intelligent trades. Hold on to Christian McCaffrey, man. Then we have Grant. Uh, he came in with one as well. Grant said, can I improve this squad? Two losses in a row has got me perplexed. PPR, thanks. I think you guys overreacted to a couple of losses. I know we don't want to go on a big slide here, but it's a long season. You're going to win. You're going to go on multi-win streaks multi-loss you know streaks the main thing is identifying the quality of your team so he sent me a screenshot here his team on the other hand is russell wilson deandre hopkins keenan allen dalvin cook chris carson cooper cup michael gallup austin eckler lamar jackson christian kirk alexander madison and malcolm brown so i you know i instantly mean i Anybody that rationally looks at this roster, the first thing that would pop out to you is that he's got Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. So clearly the very first priority is to trade one of those quarterbacks. No reason to have a player that good sitting on your bench all season when you've got a starting lineup that you think you can improve. And by the way, this guy has a really good starting lineup, but you can improve over Michael Gallup or Austin Eckler in your flex or Christian Kirk at this point. So absolutely that's that's where you begin to uh, make some progress on on a roster like this is 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 he's got an opportunity to take a, a stud quarterback on his bench and upgrade a flex in his starting lineup now that would make some sense grant and you got a good team and if you make a move like that man i think you can go on a real real run thank you so much for listening uh, every week following us over at rosterwatch.com and on Twitter at rosterwatch. Okay, everybody, please remember to take the time to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, the Rosterwatch podcast, over on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us over at rosterwatch.com and support us with a pro subscription. You can also follow us on Twitter at rosterwatch. But once again, please leave a glowing review and a five-star rating of the roster watch podcast over on apple podcast please subscribe 
Uh, all right, before we get to the week seven trade market in its entirety, we always like to start with the fallout from last week's trade market as it dovetails uh, looking ahead. So let's begin with our the fallout from our week six running back touts. It sure did feel good as hell that we sold on Jordan Howard, Aaron Jones, Matt Breida, and Todd Gurley last week. We sold each and every one of those guys, and it feels damn good. Sony Michelle, this is a guy that we're pretty worried about. We tried to sell him last week, had a pretty good game, uh, but we'd keep trying to sell him if we couldn't sell him last week. Still a 50% snap count for Sony Michelle, and uh, coming off of one of his better games, uh, the, uh, the production was good. The underlying snap percentage is not. This is a good spot to continue trying to sell Sony Michelle. Mark Ingram and Devontae Freeman, both of these guys are either keeps or sell high for a super premium type player, an elite top player. Let's start with Mark Ingram, top five running back on the season at 16 touches per game and a 45% touchdown dependency in standard. Uh, He has all the makings of a sell high profile. To some extent, I do think that might be a little bit of a misnomer, a little bit of a mirage, though. There could be a chance. Every once in a while, one of these guys is an anomaly. Uh, the profile just kind of breaks the mold, and you can you can count on him. It could be with the type of offense this has, uh, this Ravens has, as well as they're playing, and Mark Ingram being their lead anchor and their lead dog, uh, that he can keep this up. You just... But you just got to say to yourself, man, this is really the profile of a running back two, not a top five running back. So Mark Ingram, I think you say he might be close to what he is and I'm happy to keep him or there maybe there's not a trade market that makes sense in your league. But I'll tell you, if I can sell really, really high on Mark Ingram for somebody that we consider an elite player in fantasy the rest of the season, I would certainly consider it. And then the same goes for Devontae Freeman. Uh, kind of in a similar boat as Ingram in terms of his fantasy profile. Certainly hasn't performed as well. Not the top five guy that Ingram has been, but certainly Freeman has been a middling to low end RB2 on the season, depending on what format you play in. As really the beauty, though, of Devontae Freeman this season, it's only really been one stinker. Week two was a little bit slow, but it was it was not just totally pathetic, and it was the beginning of the upward trend that's really held for Devontae Freeman. I mean, you, you're feeling um, – it feels like a thin play every single week, but you feel pretty good if you've been rolling Freeman out lately. You just wonder how much you can trust him because the bottom line is he looks like an, a low-end RB2 right now. Uh, you know, the saving graces that have been, you know, four or five out of his six games so far have been – serviceable to pretty good so it's been a decent ride uh, the snap counts were up this last week not sure it's a trend just yet but it was 72 percent snap count for Devonte freeman in week six um and that's what we were looking for you know that's what we were looking for even more than the 22 touches that he got because we know that Devonte freeman's not going to get all those he won't continue to get all those he's just not going to get that kind of volume you know, he's an 18-touch-a-game guy. So, uh, you know, this was obviously the two-touchdown game this last week for Devontae Freeman, a better game than what we should hope for moving forward. His best game of the season looks really good on paper, has a nice streak on paper right now. And it does seem like things are coming together a little bit for Freeman. That's why we say 
you know, he's, he's a keep in a lot of situations. Uh, but still, for an ultra-premium player, Devontae Freeman coming off of what was likely one of his very biggest games of the season, a multi-touchdown effort, you know, could you send a guy like Freeman and a guy maybe like Tevin Coleman that we'll talk about later for, you know, maybe a Saquon Barkley? Or could we use a Freeman uh, to get some of the other uh, high-end buy candidates we'll get to later on the Week 7 uh, trade market? Uh, something that we need to consider. Of course, you're, at this point, you would never be able to approach that Barkley owner unless he's in the gutter and short on starters, which that could be the case for somebody who's endured uh, this injury. That person would have to be in a must win. That's kind of the way we're thinking about things. Uh, moving on from the running back market in week six and the fallout from all of those touts, uh, Le'Veon Bell, we say keep buying. We told you to buy low last week. Ended up being quite a bit of hype throughout the industry by Sunday to make that move, and we say just keep after it, keep buying. Uh, you know, he played pretty well. It wasn't an amazing game, at least on paper, fantasy wise. Maybe there's folks that are just wise to how hot Sam Donald looks, and they want to keep with this thing. But I, you know, I think the window might still be open after a less than thrilling performance for Le'Veon Bell. This is going to depend from league to league. You know how owners perceive him in your league, how his owner perceives him in your league. On a points-per-game basis, Le'Veon Bell in standard has been running back 23, you know, a very low-end RB2. But at 22.6 per touches per game, Le'Veon Bell is getting the fourth-highest touch volume in all of fantasy uh, among all running backs this season. So the points per game have to equalize. You know he's going to stay. He was started the season at 25, 26 touches a game. He's going to stay in the 20 to 25 touch a game range for Le'Veon Bell. That means that those points per games have to come up. It's going to equalize. And he's still got just an absolute monster schedule. He's got that same schedule that Robbie Anderson has that we love so much uh, from you know down the stretch. Really, once you get past the Patriots this week, it's wheels up. For a lot of these Jets uh, players with a monster schedule, um, I just think the window might still be open. It's absolutely worth checking out what's going on with Le'Veon Bell in your league. That's a that continues to be a big, big priority. Uh, if that window is still open, a run right through it. I would say that six point six targets per game also makes Le'Veon Bell a stud, potential stud in PPR uh, with this schedule that lies. Ahead, I think it's just good things. Good things ahead for Le'Veon Bell, everybody. Alvin Kamara. I think this is more of a move for an undefeated or a one-loss team. I'd say keep after him, keep buying. Like I said, when Drew Brees comes back, in a lot of ways, he's basically like having a Christian McCaffrey. I'd approach the Alvin Kamara owner with similar deals that I would approach the Le'Veon Bell owner with. I just think that. This is a luxury trade for Kamara because Breeze is still out. He's got a bye coming up in a here on the horizon. This matchup with Chicago is not that good coming up this week. And, of course, we have, you know, the high – what's being reported is some type of high ankle, quote-unquote, injury, not actually the dreaded high ankle sprain, but something that clearly has Kamara limited. It's a luxury trade to get a guy like him because you don't know how much you can trust him in your starting lineup in the very interim. He's a little bit of a stash to help you go just absolutely off and bananas down the stretch. And you can't afford to do that right now unless you are undefeated or only a one-loss team. But if so, if I'm an undefeated or one-loss team with a lot of ammo, I'm going after the real heavy art artillery in Alvin Kamara right now. Uh, 
losing Drew Brees has made him a low-end running back one, but I definitely think it's worth circling back. It's another guy we looked at last week. Uh, I Could be a better, more ripe opportunity to buy on him this week. Every week that Brees gets closer to coming back, you know, if you can afford to wait, I mean, it's – I mean, that just makes more uh, Alva Camara more appealing to winning teams. I mean, his value goes up every week closer that Drew Brees comes back to returning. So uh, don't forget that he does have the week nine buy for Alvin Kamara. Over on the fallout from the week six trade market in terms of the wide receiver market, uh, you feel damn good when you sold Will Fuller, Emmanuel Sanders, and Keenan Allen last week after you listened to this podcast. Uh, that's all looking like absolute gold. And then Juju Smith-Schuster, we tried to sell him last week. It might have got put on ice because of the quarterback situation. Uh, of course, uh, we told you to open the show that uh, Pittsburgh's on by this week, so it could be a little bit tricky to move Juju this week. He may ultimately uh, be a hold in week seven, but certainly a guy we're still very open to trading in a two-for-one deal for an elite player or a very, at least a very good, more reliable player we like more in return. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy to continue to keep an eye on. Chris Godwin and Cortland Sutton, uh, we told you guys to hold them. Do not sell them. You know, those, uh, Like we say, at some point, even when you have a profile of a little bit of a sell-high guy, uh, we got to determine if you are what you are. The same goes for the buy low guys. Some guys you think are a buy low and a buy low, and then they turn into a buy low every week of the season. You just realize, well, wait a second, that guy's just not going to be any good this year. He just he, he wasn't a buy low. He was just bad all year. So you kind of got to get a good grip on everything. Chris Godwin, Cortland Sutton, Sutton, we told you we had a good grip on and to hold on to those guys last week. You're feeling good, that's for sure. Uh, we bought on Robbie Anderson, Golden Tate, and Odell Beckham last week. Uh, that turned out to be absolutely amazing with Jalen Ramsey out in Jacksonville for the matchup next week with the Jets. All he has to clear is New England this week. And, guys, if you made the trade for Anderson, we told you it was more of a little bit of a later st- season stash for a wide receiver three that could go absolutely bonkers and take your team uh, you know, with a lot of momentum in and through the playoffs we were a little bit worried about his upcoming matchups. We had the surprise boon last week at home against Dallas with Darnold coming back. Nobody knew what to expect. Dallas DBs have been a pretty tough matchup. That was a surprise boon. A lot of you, if you traded for him, I know I've seen the comments over at rosterwatch.com. I know that many of you played him. So, you know, looking back, really, with it's New England this week, which is a terrible matchup. And the next week, Jacksonville, which we were somewhat concerned about. Jalen Ramsey out, no longer Really a concern for Robbie Anderson. So what went from a late season stash with a beautiful schedule in week 9 through 14 is really turned out with a great schedule weeks 6 through 14. Sands, well, week 7 this week against the Patriots for Robbie Anderson. So you feel like an absolute uh, superstar if you listened last week and traded for Robbie Anderson. And now you're just way ahead of schedule feeling like an absolute roster watch king. Uh, guys, it looks like Robbie Anderson is about to go bananas. Kudos to those of y'all who followed, listened, and uh, undertook that mandate last week. That was a big move to make. You are indeed ahead of the curve. The same Odell Beckham. Uh, you got the 11 targets. You got the 100 yards this last week. You felt good if you made that move. And then Golden Tate, he was a buy low 
or he was just a buy last week, a buy low if you could last week if folks weren't really on to him quite yet. And I'd say this week, you, you certainly feel good about this. This week, I'd say Golden Tate, a sell high. I mean, he's had the big game last week, somewhat predictably. He has all the other guys coming back this week, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley to soak up the targets. Sterling Shepard getting very, very close. I think if, if there's no Shepard, you can live another day without uh, to fight with Golden Tate maybe one more week. But the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to get anything for him. I'd sell Golden Tate. You feel good about how we bought Golden Tate last week, but I'd, I'd look to sell him or throw him in in the Week 7 trade market in order to level up. That's what we like to do on the trade market every week of the season at rosterwatch.com on the rosterwatch.com tradecast for you folks. is instruct you how to level up Every step of the season, um, the entirety of your roster, your starting roster, uh, a lot of folks are only working the waiver wire. Boy, this trade market is a big, big piece to winning every single year, folks. We try to make it easy right here every week. Amari Cooper, last week, he was a sell for a super elite player. Because we have some concerns about his profile. Obviously, we st- we just looks like it's Amari Cooper of old, just the best version of him. And what does that mean? He's a boom bust guy, really, to some extent. This is we're going to get the very best version of him, but you know durability already cropping up a little bit. That's always been a little bit of an issue for Amari Cooper. So yeah, at this point, he's a hold. DJ Chark uh, last week was a sell high for a premium player, if you could. Came back down to earth a little bit. Somebody to keep watching, keep mulling what to do with. The sheen may not be all the way off in your league. It's hard to tell. Adam Thielen was a hold last week or a possible sell if it was for the right player. Uh, and I think he remains in that same category and heading into week seven. At a little over six targets per game, 6.33 to be exact, and almost 50% touchdown dependent. Um Adam Thielen, a guy with a very much a profile of a sell high wide receiver. Uh, on the other hand, he's been with those with that profile. He's been the model of reliability and consistency this season. He's been a very steady horse. I think he's only had like one bad game out of six. So it's five for six for Adam Thielen. Has been even though it's been a you know it's been very much um, predicated on him getting in the end zone. It just you know again, may, he might just be one of those anomalies. I expect his targets to go up at some point. You would think over six, but much like Cooper Cup is Jared Goff's guy in the red zone. Uh, he's just a guy that seems to get into the end zone for the Rams. You start to think maybe that's just the way things work for Adam Thielen. He's 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 been good. So you know, really, the other thing we have to think about here, even if we have a guy like Thielen, that we think is a sell high you have to really the important question you have to ask yourself before you waste much time is who can we really trade up for who's available who are the buys this week who are the buys this low that buy low this week that are elite enough significant and clear enough upgrades over adam thielen that's really worth us making uh, wasting a lot of time and really truthfully it's not entirely clear we'll get to hot deandre hopkins uh, here in a second, because he looks to still be av- available. I certainly think that's a fine move to use Adam Thielen and go up for a DeAndre Hopkins. But I, at this point, that's unclear. And for the folks that don't want to make that move, because they've been plugging along fine with Adam Thielen every week, uh, I could certainly understand it. He's been his bottom line production, uh, despite his profile, has been very, very good. Alshon Jeffrey, this guy's been. Uh, a little bit of a thorn in my side. He keeps proving me wrong. I keep telling you guys to sell him high, that the matchups are tough. 
you know, fortunately the window is still open. Uh, I'm still trying to sell him for a better player uh, at 52% uh, touchdown dependency rate on the season for Alshon Jeffrey. I just say, you know, use an Alshon to level up to one of these better players like a DeAndre Hopkins. You know, I'm actually going to type Alshon into my list here. I have some trade examples that we'll be getting to towards the end of the podcast like we do every week where I'm going to construct some mock trade examples for you guys, step you through the types of deals I might make or accept if I was approaching or being approached for any of the players that may be in question this week. So DeAndre Hopkins, the final guy from the fallout from the week six trade market from week six rosterwatch.com trade cast as it relates to this week's trade market. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we, we've been trying to buy for two weeks now and you guys just absolutely have to stay after it. This is such a rare, uh, you know, situation. I'm not ready to buy yet that this is an anomaly for DeAndre Hopkins and that this is what he is. We just know too much about him. That offense and is heating up too, too much, uh, with, uh, with Deshaun Watson to take our foot off the gas. We have to stay in full pursuit of DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of the true apex predators in all of fantasy football and only 55 yards last week receiving. It wasn't a big box score. This window's still open, but guys, we know it was a 98% snap count. We know it was 12 targets. We know that this is DeAndre Hopkins. Let's keep after it. Keep trying to buy DeAndre Hopkins if you can. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get over to the week seven fantasy football trade market in principle right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Make sure to subscribe to the rosterwatch podcast on Apple podcast. Make sure to leave a five star rating and a glowing review. We would not uh, we cannot thank you enough for when you guys take just a few minutes out of your schedule to go and do that. We really, really appreciate it. We're worked so hard to put this information out to Roster Watch Nation year round. Let's get over to the week seven running back touts. And the list begins with a sell high on Adrian Peterson. Uh, unfortunately, we've got the news coming in late tonight. He missed practice a little bit to, uh, today with what appears to be hopefully a minor injury after the big workload last week. So hopefully that doesn't take too much sheen off this idea is that uh, news is coming in here as basically as I'm reporting. However, Adrian Peterson has San Francisco 49ers, Minnesota Vikings, and Buffalo Bills on the horizon. Uh, those are very, three very tough matchups uh, uh, coming over the next three weeks for Adrian Peterson. You know, however, it does look like Bill Callahan's fingerprints are all over this offense. Adrian Peterson's getting the big workload that everybody thought was in store. We're hearing that Chris Thompson is having a turf toe. Uh, Darius Guy's getting closer and closer to returning, but still unclear when he'll come off the IRR, and then he's got to sit for two weeks before he can even play. So got a pretty solid window here open on Adrian Peterson. Not saying you're going to get a King's ransom for him, but you know when I say sell high, it's sell high relative to what Adrian Peterson's value was, which was absolutely nil just a week or so ago, so a couple weeks ago. So if we can get Adrian Peterson, uh, by selling high on him would entail using him as a throw-in on a deal to level up, you know, uh, and a two-for-one for a player, uh, for a good player to a very good player. You know, that's what we want to be uh, doing here. Now, you know, Adrian Peterson, if you got to keep him, keep him uh, not a horrible keep right off the waiver wire, 
Um, but I think you know what you're getting into at this point. Certainly, Adrian Peterson off the big game with three tough matchups ahead, um, by definition, is uh, the absolute poster boy of a fantasy football sell high heading into the week seven. Uh, fantasy football uh, trade market. Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers is a sell high. Uh, absolutely, he's a sell high. He outsnapped, outtouched Aaron Jones by a hair this last week, uh, coming off you know in his return from the concussion. He outplayed Aaron Jones quite a bit as well. Had the big fantasy game. You know, look, Jamal Williams is if you look at his game log and just the way that Matt Lafleur is playing this thing, he is on the season shaping up as a flex. I mean, just the tough parts figuring out. Uh, nailing down when you can start him. That's going to be a headache all season long. I mean, another purpose of a lot of these trades is eliminate these headaches. Get guys in. You know you can start. You got Try to make endless sit-start decisions in your flex every week is a damn nightmare. Get somebody in. You can just start alleviating some of these headaches with. Um, and Jamal Williams certainly is going to represent a headache because all of Matt LaFleur's running backs have – uh, over the last 18 months, and I don't see any reason why that would change. So with Jamal Williams probably coming off of his best game of the season, it's a good time to try to sell high in a two-for-one consolidation trade in a package for a better, more reliable player. Guys that I'm a little bit, I think, are up in the air that certainly we have concerns about, Damian Williams, Kansas City Chiefs. We said it last week on the trade cast. You're probably stuck with him. Uh, it appears that continues to... Uh, more than likely be the case. Joe Mixon, ultimately probably a hold right now, coming off of a a down game in most cases, but could still be interested, I guess, in some rare case to buy Joe Mixon super low. Like if people are treating him as a throw-in, maybe like the F4 mentioned Adrian Peterson, then I can, as I said last week, I can still be interested. Anybody can be a buy low at some point. Um, but, you know, you know, we, what we were worried about was has been the snap count all along, and seeing that thing dip under fifty percent this last week is pretty alarming on what's a bad team. So, if th- at this point, you know, I think Joe Mixon likely a hold, maybe a buy super duper low if that's even possible. I mean, like Adrian Peterson throw in type low if that's to the like if his owners the point where that's you know he values him that much or just a little bit more. I find that very unlikely. So. You know, really at this point, we're more interested in selling Joe Mixon, you know, if we can, if the if if we could still get, uh, you know, if we could package him into the deal that get, nets us a bigger, better player we trust more, uh, that's how we're selling Joe Mixon, the consolidation trade. I mean, he doesn't have the value to liquidate at this point. You know, I suppose if you needed to do a one-for-one equivalency trade that we spoke about at the top of the podcast, uh, you could potentially trade Joe Mixon for a wide receiver to balance your roster or maybe a guy you might view as a better flex option. Melvin Gordon, of course, I just don't see the market for him this week. Uh, Probably much like Joe Mixon as a circumstantial hold heading into week seven. He's got Tennessee and Chicago next. The offensive line is an absolute shambles. I mean, as a matter of fact, if the sheen's not all the way off, I might actually look to sell Melvin Gordon if he still has any significant amount of name value in my league. Uh, Obviously, I think he'll continue to be a hold for many, many owners. A few running backs new to the trade market for week seven that I'd characterize as sell highs, like sell really high for a premium player. That's what we want to do with these guys. These aren't guys that we're itching to get rid of. These are guys that we think are pretty good at this point and that we will keep if necessary, much like the Mark Ingrams and Devontae Freemans uh, that we spoke about 
moving forward as we're analyzing the fallout from the week six trade market. There's a, I'd say there's a handful of other guys right here in week seven that uh, have come into focus in that same category with Mark Ingram and Devontae Freeman. Keeps, good keeps in a lot of situations that you're feeling good about, but sell very high for a premium player. You're really considered... Uh, Considering that long and hard, and Carlos Hyde would certainly be one of those guys. I mean, I don't know if I need to say much more than Carlos Hyde's name. I think you guys understand. I mean, he was a one of the big, that surprisingly one of the big waiver wire pickups in all of fantasy to date. But I mean, this is a guy that's been a journeyman on what four or five teams the last two years. Looked washed, got cut by the Chiefs only so they could pick up Lashawn McCoy, and now the starter in Houston after they had obtained Duke Johnson. Via giving up a fourth round pick for a change for for a trade for Duke Johnson, it's been a wild ride for Carlos Hyde. But boy, he's really, really been performing quite well, and it's to the point where that offense is looking good. His role is looking cemented. Think people will probably you know may buy in there. So he Carlos Hyde just based on his profile, the kind of player you always want to keep an eye out for a window to sell really high on. Uh, but it would need to be in a deal for a really good player. Just you know, we still got a bot. We got a, what's projected to be by FantasyPros.com a bottom five schedule rest of the season for Carlos Hyde, and then certainly, you know, that sixty percent snap count is still a major, major red flag as far as you know uh, expecting the type of production that you've getting been getting to date on a consistent. Uh, basis. That said, Duke Johnson just you know just does not appear to be much of a threat. Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles, you know him and Jordan Howard are twelve, thirteen touch guys. Um, I think you know much like we told you to sell Jamal Williams this week, like we told you to sell Aaron Jones last week. Miles Sanders coming off of a good week. I think you treat him a lot like we treated Jordan Howard the last few weeks. You try to sell him high. If you can, I mean, you definitely try to sell Miles Sanders high. If you can, if you have to keep him, I'd rather keep him than a Jordan Howard. Howard, I just wanted off my team completely. Sanders has this outside chance of going on a carry on Johnson type trajectory and capturing more of a role as the season goes on. But the snap counts aren't you know necessarily indicative of that. That's been the big problem with Miles Sanders. Let's go over to the snap counts, touches, and targets tool over at rosterwatch.com. That's where we can very quickly and easily look at all this information on every player in fantasy every week of the season. Miles Sanders had the 92 yards and the touchdown. Boy, is he sick in the big plays in the passing game. And only a 29% snap count on six touches. Guys, this is a huge red flag. you got to keep trying to sell high on Miles Sanders. I came into this podcast thinking maybe we could have a propensity to keep him a little more than we have the Jordan Howards in the past, but you know, I guess it depends on what you can get. But if I can get Miles Sanders into a deal for an elite player, I definitely, definitely want to do it. His game log hasn't been bad on paper. I do not like what I see behind the scenes with Miles Sanders. Sell high for a premium player on Miles Sanders if you can. Tevin Coleman, I mean, we're all very excited about what we've seen out of Tevin Coleman. In many cases, I think he's a fine keep. I also think he's a guy we can consider selling very high on at the moment. Sell high, sell really high in a deal for a premium player on Tevin Coleman or keep him. He looks like a keeper right now. David Johnson and Chris Carson are guys that I added uh, to this list before the podcast. 
uh, for a couple of reasons. Primarily, they both, again, uh, via fantasypros.com, have a projected bottom five schedule in the league rest of season. Uh, I'd say both of them, David Johnson and Chris Carson, have stayed healthier and probably outperformed preseason expectations. We're seeing the injuries crop up a little bit with David Johnson. Uh, I'd say that obviously DJ and Chris Carson have been very good players, and those are two players I lean very much on the side of keeping. But again, this is kind of a group of guys that are, you know, sell very high. At least we have to consider it. If you could sell David Johnson or Chris Carson very, very high with some of the concerns we have surrounding those guys and bottom five schedules coming up, I, you know, I might consider it. Again, it depends on how absolutely high that you can uh, sell them. That's something that you will have to identify in your league, and hopefully we give you the tools here every week on the rosterwatch.com tradecast uh, to help uh, identify that. Devin Singletary of the Week 7 trade market, Buffalo Bills running back, coming off the hamstring, coming off of the bye week. This is a guy we've been targeting for some time as a cheap kind of high upside flex guy that we've been very interested in adding. Um Obviously, those who've held him have held him through the injury and the buy at this point, but you wonder to some extent if out of sight, out of mind, and his owners may not even know how to value him in the first place. He could easily be considered a throw-in in some leagues on some deals, uh, and that would be a player I could consider. Uh, that's absolutely true. Or, again, Devin Singletary would be a great target in a one-for-one equivalency trade where we're trying to balance our roster. Let's say we're short at running back but loaded at wide receiver, and vice versa is true for the Singletary owner. Let's send them, let's send them a wide receiver, you know, for Devin Singletary. Let's see what happens. Uh, somebody of comparable value. We'll keep moving along here, ladies and gentlemen, on to the wide receiver side of the week seven fantasy football trade market and that has to begin and end with stefan diggs we got to sell high 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 sell high on stefan diggs for a premium player right now he's the perfect candidate to do so coming off an absolute mega throbber mega fantasy monster in week six the guy who was only on a 63 percent snap count and we know we can't trust him the opposite of adam thielen uh, the model of consistency. Diggs has been a, just a hit or miss guy this season. Kirk Cousins is heating up, uh, that's for sure. And historically, Diggs has been a pretty reliable player. I just, I, you know, I just say after you, if you've owned Stephon Diggs, you are very disenfranchised with him. If you've been looking to sell high, this is the absolute time, and I wouldn't blame you for. And I, and you're probably right for not viewing Stephon Diggs as the most trustworthy, reliable player. Moving forward, we were the ones who told you it was a buy low a few weeks ago, and the big day, bigger days were ahead for Diggs because simple mathematics would tell us that you know we know about how Diggs is going to finish the season, and after his slow start, in order for that to actually happen mathematically, there was just by default going to be some big breakout games along the way. We got one; you're going to get some others, but I'm not sure I wait for. It. I mean, Stefan Diggs is the right kind of player right now. Uh, to take and try to move up for one of these big, big fish, maybe like a DeAndre Hopkins that folks are so low on. We can get to that mock trade example uh, here in a few minutes before we wrap up the Week 7 edition of the RosterWatch.com tradecast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you know we thank each and every one of you for so all of your loyal and longtime support, listenership. Um, you, you, those of you who followed us on the site and followed us on Twitter, followed us over at SiriusXM. 
Uh, follow us right here on the Roster Watch podcast uh, over on Apple Podcasts. We really, really appreciate that support. Uh, we hope that each and every one of you are having a great fantasy season. We're humbled and we have a tremendous amount of gratitude. Uh, none of this is possible without you. Uh, Keenan Allen, wide receiver, Los Angeles Chargers. We told you last week that we had a pretty big downturn likely in store uh, for Keenan Allen over the rest of the season for a number of circumstances. You could go listen to exactly why last week, and we'll, but we, I don't think you have to because we saw it manifest. So is Keenan Allen a buy, a sell, or a hold? I mean, again, this all depends on how his perceived value is in your league. I'm pretty hands-off at this point. I say be careful with Keenan Allen. We, like I said, we warned you all about this at length last week, and you know there could be a deal to be had if his owner is willing to take a discount versus where his owner was at on his value just a few weeks ago. Um, you know, maybe Keenan Allen is the kind of guy that you could trade in one of those one for one equivalency trades for a running back if that's what you needed to balance your roster. If he still maintains enough value in your league, maybe you're unsure about Keenan Allen and you need to improve your starting lineup, your starting roster. Maybe he still has enough value you could liquidate him down into two. Flex guys that you like. Unclear what we're going to do with Keenan Allen, but I'd say his name is certainly on the trade market this week and a guy that folks are definitely consider. I mean, if you own Keenan Allen, you're looking at your roster this week thinking like, what do I have in Keenan Allen here? Did I make a mistake for not selling him high? Can I depend on him? Is he just a low-end wide receiver one? I mean, we remember what last season was like uh, with Keenan Allen, and this early season was predictably artificially inflated with the targets for Keenan Allen, and that's where so much of his value uh, has come from. So uh, that is something we are going to absolutely have to watch out for. T.Y. Hilton, another guy to watch, 50% touchdown dependent, 17, 7.25 targets per game. You know, not the model of the uh, type of wide receiver one profile. Uh, that we're looking for, and he may be viewed by others in your league with the name value and some pretty big games out of the gate as a wide receiver. You know, I think he's a good hold if you have to. But Joe, Jacoby Brissett really showing out. So again, unclear what to do with T.Y. Hilton, the guy we're a little bit concerned about. She's going to very much have to do with what the value of T.Y. Hilton is in your league. He's a, a guy I have no problem parting with if it's in the deal. Uh, for the right player and certainly you know if I got the right deal on T.Y. Hilton in return I'm not uh, I'm not uh, feeling shy about that you know if somehow he comes in as my wide receiver two or wide receiver three or as a flex and some type of deal uh, that's something that we can watch as well Marquise Brown maybe to a lesser extent with the Baltimore Ravens definitely out of sight out of mind the injuries cropping up still not practicing this week just has a lot of upside in different one-game scenarios in that offense and might be had for cheap or his value may be so low that his owners just squat on him for right now. But another player I'd say is interesting is kind of the verdict is out exactly how we view Marquise Brown. But a player that uh, Hollywood Brown, wide receiver Ravens, could could be involved in the wide receiver trade market and could be a guy that look somebody might be if you own marquise brown somebody might be cruising through your league right now looking at all the rosters looking for trade deals they might be looking at marquise brown on your roster right now terry mclaurin one of the absolute best stories of the season the young stud wide receiver for the washington redskins he's a sell really high for a premium player or a hold 
Uh, no problem going either way on him. Uh, it's been absolutely an impressive start to the season for McLaurin, a player who actually through the first couple of days of practice at the Senior Bowl, I, mean, I was making the argument that he was having as good of a week or better week than Debo Samuel. Now, I think group think, and as the week went on, it just Samuel emerged as the clear-cut number one and uh, of the Senior Bowl. And I'd say McLaurin, it was just a few drop balls over the course of the week that really did it to him. He was always a smooth route runner. He's just a guy that's really built, just the thickest neck I've ever seen. Really, really sweet kid. So uh, Terry McLaurin, a player, not really surprised he's doing well in the league, just surprised he's doing this well given the Redskins quarterback situation to date but boy that's been really really impressive so far so he's a sell really high and a like deal for you know a can't miss premium player or a hold and then Allen Robinson to a lesser extent I'd put him in the same same category you know he's having a better season than last year and he's a fine keep especially given where you drafted him Uh, he's your wide receiver two or three at the end of the day he's a low end wide receiver two on the season so He's a fine keep, but at a wide, low end wide receiver too. If he's the guy that puts you over the top on somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, I think you absolutely have to take a shot, especially with the buy out of the way at this point for Allen Robinson. That's another good selling point you can make to folks you're targeting with him. If you have to keep Allen Robinson, I think he's proven he's going to be a better commodity than last year. Still not going to be the world beater that some folks had really hoped for. On the buy side of the Week 7 wide receiver market at rosterwatch.com, we're going to dive right in with two big names, Amari Cooper. And the question is, can you buy Amari Cooper right now? Can you buy Amari Cooper right now? So much of it will depend on the win-loss record of his owner in your league. But, guys, he really screwed you last week. It's looking like he might miss this week, which would be a disaster because it's one of the best matchups in all of fantasy this week. Um, that's just a hurtful proposition to think that he's going to miss that. And then then he's got the buy, Amari Cooper. So it's a little bit of a tough stretch here for Amari Cooper owners. Now he's been top five wide receiver on the season, essentially. But a lot of a profile, uh, uh, you know, the hallmarks of a, of a over-producing uh, uh, profile, though, certainly exist. He's a very highly touchdown-dependent player, a little over seven targets per game, which is very anemic. Uh, given the, the points he's been scoring. So like I said earlier in the podcast, it's the same old Amari Cooper. I think we're just getting the absolute best version of him in Dallas, which is fine. It's proven to be a very, very good player so far. So I'm not telling you to get down too low on Amari Cooper. What I'm telling you guys is he might be a buy if you're opportunistic. If you are an undefeated or one-loss team and it looks like Amari Cooper is going to miss this week and then be going into a buy and you've identified there's a losing team in your league that needs some help. Like that could be a huge winning pickup for a winning team, undefeated or one loss, uh, to go after an Amari Cooper this week, especially if we get the news that he's going to be limited or not play this week. I mean, that's such bad news for uh, if there is an Amari Cooper owner in your league that isn't a must-win situation. That's just horrible, horrible news for him. So I say if we are at the very top of the standings in our league and undefeated or only a one-loss team, that is a very sharp I mean, that's when you're playing chess when other people are playing checkers is looking to what would be going on with Amari Cooper because that would be a huge add. If you're adding him from that position of strength, you're adding him as like 
your flex or wide receiver three, which would be an absolute you know, monster. Again, we are going to be a little bit weary just of his profile in the season. Seven and a half targets per game has all the characteristics of a sell high profile. Um, you know, but that sell high profile could be neutralized, like we said, by that injury last week and the upcoming buy. So, um, guys, we've got to poke around Amari Cooper in our leagues this week if we are undefeated or we have one loss we got to see if Amari Cooper is on one of the losing bottom feeders in our league and if it looks like he's going to miss this week I'm making offers I'm making offers to add him as a flex or a wide receiver three that would absolutely be a nuclear bananas flex down the stretch uh, in your fantasy league AJ Green I see his name floating around still unclear when he's going to be available and actually play on a very bad Bengals team. But you have to imagine, uh, get his share of action, pretty big share of action when he comes in. And then certainly there's a chance that A.J. Green gets traded. Uh, you know, Sometimes a trade of a player sets him back a, a few weeks in, during the transition. But I think you get a guy like A.J. Green traded to a good team, and he's pretty good right away. So there's some interest here in what can happen with A.J. Green's Value, I'd say this is the time to go to a losing team who's rostered A.J. Green and see if you can buy on him for for not too much. You know, if it's a winning team that owns A.J. Green, they're not going to sell him because they've been stashing him. I mean, they're thinking the same thing that you're thinking. It's why they're a winning team. I'll give you guys an example of a trade I might construct uh, to take a stab for A.J. Green here uh, in a few minutes. Uh, let's see, tight end. A couple of tight ends here. We're getting so many tight end questions right now. Tight ends all over the place. A lot of you guys have, in the past, it was a Will Disley you picked up that gave you two tight ends. That's jumped the shark now, and some of you are tight end needy, but others of you have picked up the Hunter Henrys and other folks in the world. Uh, some of you guys drafted the Austin Hoopers late, and he was just a backup guy, and he's turned into a real starter. So some of you guys are really experiencing a boon at the tight end position. I'm just seeing so many questions on how to capitalize on that. And I'm just, you know, I'm still surprised so many times uh, that you guys are, you know, coming to me asking how you can improve your starting roster. But you're not looking and seeing that you have a Lamar Jackson or a Hunter Henry on your bench. You can't have those guys on your bench. You got to find a way to take a stud backup tight end, stud backup quarterback and turn that into a better piece uh, on your starting roster. I mean, that's just absolutely uh, what you have to do. So the same would apply to Austin Hooper as it would to Hunter Henry. Both those guys are fine keeps if you need them. I mean, you feel fantastic if you keep if, if you have them and you keep them and you need a tight end, right? But if you're one of these teams with an embarrassment of riches and a dry tight end year, this is the perfect time to leverage that – that useless equity sitting on your bench right now uh, in a Hunter Henry or an Austin Hooper as your backup tight end into a better start, you know, into a better starting lineup. That is the mandate of this podcast every week is to increase the equity across our roster, but never at the expense of our starting roster and always be mindful of improving our starting roster. We just shouldn't have bona fide starters on our bench. It's not the way to optimize our team, our roster, our chances of winning every given week 
and throughout the season. We want to be cultivating guys on our bench. That's where we want to cultivate equity. But we can't have guys that are too valuable on our bench every week. Otherwise, then we're just not optimizing. That's when we need to use these two-for-one trades, guys. And maybe on the tight end side of things, uh, another elite tight end that's coming to focus this week as a potential buy guy is Zach Ertz. It just feels like he might be a tiny bit of a buy low. All right, everybody, before I let you out of here for the week seven rosterwatch.com trade cast, I always leave you with some mock trade examples of some trades that we may construct or attempt to construct in our own leagues to target some of the players or divest ourselves of some of the players that we've spoken about over the course of this week's trade cast. First, let's begin with DeAndre Hopkins. He's been the hottest name on the trade market for a couple of weeks now. This is a very rare opportunity uh, to get a player like him. So, ladies and gentlemen, if we want to pursue DeAndre Hopkins, why don't we take Terry McLaurin or Stephon Diggs and throw in a Jamal Williams or a Jordan Howard or an Adrian Peterson, all players we've spoken about over the course of this podcast? Or why don't we take a Carlos Hyde or a Sony Michelle or a Miles Sanders and throw in an Allen Robinson or an Alshon Jeffrey and see if we can nab ourselves a DeAndre Hopkins from a losing team who needs two players to improve their starting roster. Or maybe they're not even smart enough to look at that. A lot of folks don't listen to this. They don't, they're, they're playing checkers, like I said. They might just say, hey, I'm disenfranchised with this guy. These are two big guys with good name recognition. I'm just going to take it and not even really consider all the implications uh, it has on my team. I mean, clearly that's what goes on. I get so many questions from all of you every week where I'm still struggling with that. So take advantage of these people. Be the smart one, right? Maybe you can send Mark Ingram straight up for DeAndre Hopkins in a one-for-one equivalency trade. Maybe Ingram was a guy that uh, isn't one of your lead horses. You've developed other awesome options so far. Uh, maybe it's a league where you're a little bit short on your uh, running back uh, limits on the starting roster, and it just happens to be an elite wide receiver that you need. Hell, I would trade Mark Inger from DeAndre Hopkins straight up if I needed to balance my roster in favor of a wide receiver, a wide receiver one, an elite wide receiver one. Or, you know, why don't we consider taking a Devontae Freeman and throwing in an Allen Robinson or a Golden Tate or, you know, uh, one of these other players that we've spoken about? Uh, a DJ Chark if the sheen's not all the way off of him. Can you throw a DJ Chark and a Devontae Freeman together? For DeAndre Hopkins, do you even want to do that? That might be too rich. You know, How much do you want to get the deal done? Amari Cooper, You know, I think you're going to have to make a similar type offer for Amari Cooper you're going to have to make to DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe less if this injury news comes through with the buy on the horizon. Maybe you could do a Devontae straight up. Um... Somebody along those lines, maybe straight up for an Amari Cooper. Uh, but I think it's going to be a similar deal to the Hopkins deal. Uh, the, the main thing, if you're trading for Amari Cooper, is he, he may not be of much use to you in the interim. So you're, you've are you got to be an undefeated or one-loss team versus DeAndre Hopkins. You trade for him, you know, you're going to play him right away. A.J. Green, another player that's coming to focus this week on the week seven trade market. You know, can you trade Carlos Hyde straight up for A.J. Green? It feels a little rich, honestly, given how Hyde has performed in his situation. I'm not even sure I would do that. I think that's the kind of deal that would actually get something done if you really just want to go out and get A.J. Green and not hassle and haggle back and forth a whole bunch. Can you give up Adrian Peterson for A.J. Green? Can you give up Miles Sanders, Ronald Jones? Maybe you can throw in a Calvin Ridley with those guys. Okay, 
folks, can you give up Adrian Peterson and Calvin Ridley? Can you give up Miles Sanders and Calvin Ridley? Can you give up Ronald Jones and Calvin Ridley for A.J. Green? I think you can. I think you can if you have the luxury of depth to do it. Um, but I'm probably not giving up a whole, whole lot more at this point. In my opinion, along with DeAndre Hopkins, it's Le'Veon Bell that continues to be not only the really big fish involved in the trade market this week, but a guy who I believe reasonably can be had. I mean, just the fact that he's in play is good news. We're not necessarily looking for a discount here. So if I'm going after Le'Veon Bell, if I'm going after him hard, I've got the ammo to do it because we, we want to gear up with the heavy artillery uh, moving forward here. Because Hell, I'll take a Melvin Gordon. I'll take a Mark Ingram, a Todd Gurley, an Aaron Jones. I'll put those guys with a Calvin Ridley. Can I take a Devontae Freeman, a Joe Mixon, a Sonny Michelle, or a Jordan Howard and throw in a DJ Chark or an Allen Robinson? You know, I might even do something with Tevin Coleman here. Can I do some combination of like two good, legitimate players for Le'Veon Bell to an owner who's just gotten off to a really slow start and is there's a good chance that Le'Veon Bell owners are losing teams in your league. That makes this even just uh, it just makes this it, it comes into focus so much more. This is a very practical and realistic opportunity for a guy that can make such an impact. Let's not forget he has the same dream schedule that all these other Jets like Robbie Anderson we keep talking about have. I mean, it's just nothing but big days ahead. For Le'Veon Bell, if I'm a Melvin Gordon owner, I'd want one out from underneath him within two seconds to upgrade to a Le'Veon Bell, and I have no problem tossing in a little bit extra if I have to, guys. I would go hard after Le'Veon Bell this week. Alvin Kamara, we talked about it last week. A similar move, again, kind of like the Amari Cooper move. It's more in the luxury category, meaning you have to be undefeated or you have to be a one-loss team uh, to take on the injury liability, take on the uncertainty, take on the upcoming buy, take off the difficult matchups in the short term with Alvin Kamara. Uh, but again, if you are in a team that's operating from a position of strength, you're one loss or undefeated, you've got an embarrassment of riches up and down your roster, and you have a struggling Alvin Kamara owner in your league, you're somebody who rationally is in position to consider a move like this, and I would absolutely recommend it. I mean, that is a winning that's a winning move. That's a winning strategy. Alvin Kamara is a guy who could come in like gangbusters down the stretch. And if you're adding him, you're adding him like as you're running back two or three or f- something along those lines or your highest end flex. That's just an amazing move for a team that's already good. The rich get richer, and that's what we want to do. Joe Mixon, what to do with Joe Mixon? Is he a buy? Is he a sell? He's definitely a guy we're concerned about. You know, like I said, could you use him maybe like you would use a Devontae Freeman to go after a, a Cooper or, a, you know, not even a Cooper, a Hopkins maybe? Um, could you throw somebody else in like an Allen Robinson with a Joe Mixon and go after a DeAndre Hopkins? I know it seems like a lot to give up, but life's not without risk, right? We're trying to take calculated risks, and we're pretty confident with the success we've had so far every week of the season using the waiver wire cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com that we're going to have no problem cultivating cultivating more value to replace these guys, these two-for-one consolidation trades where we're receiving the best player in return. That is absolutely what we want to be doing every single week. So Joe Mixon, can you use him in a deal for DeAndre Hopkins uh, along with another player? Deion, you know, Joe Mixon and Calvin Ridley 
for DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know. Think about it. See what you could do. Can you take a Joe Mixon? Here's one we might work in reverse since we're not sure what his perceived value is and it's very unclear how to feel about him. We know we're interested in Devin Singletary as a buy low this week. You know, if maybe I'm looking to liquidate a Joe Mixon because I'm a losing team because I've owned him. Can I get Devin Singletary and another solid flex for Joe Mixon? That's absolutely something that I would consider doing if I was a Mixon owner. And then let's look over at the tight end side before we get you out of here. We talked about how many questions we're getting about what to do with the Hunter Henrys and the Austin Hoopers of the world. So many of you guys happen to roster two of them and the rest of your league is completely desperate. So what I'm telling you right here on the week seven rosterwatch.com trade cast is to take Hunter Henry, take Austin Hooper and trade him straight up for a low end wide receiver one or a low end running back one at the very least a high end wide receiver two or a high end running back two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for the week seven rosterwatch.com. Uh, trade cast we please we implore you we ask you to to please go over to apple podcast give the roster watch podcast a five-star rating and a glowing review subscribe to the roster watch podcast on apple podcast and follow us on twitter at roster watch support us over at rosterwatch.com with a pro subscription and once again we want to thank each and every one of you all of our loyal supporters we can't do any of this without you we're on the front lines for all of your fantasy teams uh, 12 months a year every day throughout the fantasy season around the calendar this is a uh, 12 month a year proposition that is for damn sure so until next time roster watch nation be good